Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources. Uh, I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be with you today. And as always, we got a lot of ground to cover in the fastest 60 minutes of radio, especially today because we'll only have 30 minutes. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we will cover uh, Governor Gary Herbert's and uh, state leaders to provide a briefing on COVID-19. Uh, so we'll have that press conference. We'll take that for you live here on KSL News Radio. coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, as always, we're going to help you try to slow things down today, divide the rage from the reason, elevate the conversation, connect the dots and make the news make sense for you. And as always, we want you to weigh in and help us elevate that conversation. You can do that on the Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line 57500. So obviously a lot of conversation uh, around back to school and COVID-19, how that's playing out. Uh, a, a few weeks ago, we had uh, Sid Dixon on with us. Always appreciate her inside. And what, one of the things that we were talking about was the uh, the needs of special needs students, uh, especially during the pandemic and all the challenges that creates for these students and for their families and for the teachers uh, and so we wanted to, to dive a little bit deeper as part of our 2020 Back to Class. Utah's 2020 school year. Special coverage on Inside Sources. So we are very excited to be joined by uh, Tanya Simerod uh, today. Uh, she is over the Autism and Significant Cognitive Disabilities. Uh, she's a specialist there for the Utah State Board of Education. Uh, she's worked in education settings for 29 years uh, with a focus on supporting students with autism and other complex needs. Uh, Tanya, thanks for joining us today. Hi, boy. Thank you so much for having me and for addressing this challenging issue at this time. Yeah, I, it is just so significant. It's been weighing on me for months now. As I mentioned, we talked about it with uh, Superintendent Sid Dixon. Uh, and it just I just keep coming back to this of uh, those who do have those extra needs, those special needs, and the teachers that help them. Uh, we've got to have a different conversation about that. So could you give us just kind of a, an update on what are you seeing? What's happening out there as we have some hybrid models going back to school? Some are still just doing remote. Uh, what does that mean for our special needs students? Of course. Thank you. Um, yes, as you mentioned, I mean, this is a very challenging time for all students, educators, parents, um, whether they have a disability or not. But when we're talking about students who have disabilities, especially um, with really complex needs, so a lot of those students 
even pre-COVID times, were needing some intensive services, right? So they're being taught by special education teachers, might have an occupational therapist or physical therapist involved, speech and language therapist, school psychologist. I mean, even some of these students really need um, one-on-one or hand-over-hand prompting to teach them. And so as you can imagine, um, for these students who might not be able to go back into the classroom because it's been decided by their school district or they are um, possibly um, trying to protect somebody in the home or the student themselves might be vulnerable or, of course, um, you know, they uh, they just, the, the family has decided it's not safe. So for these kiddos, it's going to be incredibly challenging to get them the services that they deserve and need um, versus uh, on a, in an online or remote um, situation versus in person. Um, so it is a huge, it is a huge challenge, and I am talking with families and educators every day about how to address um, making sure that these students get the services that they they have a federal right to and that they that they need to make progress yeah and uh, and I'm so glad you said that in terms of the the progress because I think one of the things that uh, that you and your team and what we do in this state uh, in terms of not not treating these students as if they were liabilities to be managed uh, you you really treat each one and their family uh, as a human asset a human individual with infinite potential and that they do need to progress. So how do we how do we do that in this very complicated world we're in right now? Right, that's a great question, boy. Thank you. So, for sure, um, that I have seen educators and families, and this is a, a point that I really want to make, collaboratively working together to address the, this unique, unique circumstance, and that's what has to continue. So. There has been no change in, um, in the law about what we should be doing for these students. Even what's incredibly um, complicated at this time, they have the right to their education and their special education services exactly as they had the right to those before COVID. And so teachers and, and parents are having to work creatively how, and I was really out-of-box thinking on how to get those services to these students that aren't um, going to school in person. And I've seen some wonderful things. I've I've been a part of many conversations that have been heartbreaking because families are um, feeling like they are having to take on a bigger burden than they ever have. Um, But I've seen so many educators um, willing to have those conversations and think out of the box and um, really work to serve those students the way that, that they deserve. And as you said, progress is the point. Um, we need to make sure that even in times of COVID, they're making progress on their IEP goals, which is their individual education plan, or just in the general ed curriculum even. Right. And, and uh, I think that's so important for all of us to step back and, and recognize that one, you know, within the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, there are those things that they have a right to. Uh, and it, I want to go back just quickly. You, you mentioned, you know, some of the challenges for some of these families uh, that may, you know, have counted on that service to, to help get some of that progress. You also have many of those special need 
students who the the certainty of a schedule and a pattern uh, is so important to their development. And uh, you, you mentioned some of the creative things that you're seeing out there in, in terms of, of uh, teachers and parents. Uh, and I just think uh, there's there's a bigger discussion I think we need to have in terms of are we really doing that? Are we really supporting those teachers? Are we really supporting those families in a way that is going to help all of them get progress? Yes. So um, we've been learning as we're going, right, parents, students, and educators. I'll give you a quick example. Um, I've recently spoken with um, a parent who has a child with Down syndrome and also that child has congenital heart disease. So they, the family has decided that they need to do all online learning. Um, and they also are in a situation where the parent has to work um, full time but from home. And I've just been so impressed about how the IEP team has worked to um, have really, really engaged learning for the student to the best. I mean, really, we have to, we ha- again, we have to be reasonable about what expectations there are. We can't be sending a teacher to every home for every child that's um, vulnerable. And that's just not the way um, our education system works. But they have been able to set aside times where, the student who needs a lot of intensive support, um, the, the, they, they do a lunchtime um, meeting with the mom, and, and then the, the mom knows what to do with the student after sort of school hours. Right. Um, so I, I've just been seeing some things like that that have been working very well, and it's that whole collaborative piece. Yes, and I, and to me, that's just the ultimate in the Utah model uh, of how we get things done. And so, uh, one uh, time, I appreciate you being on with us today and, and the work of your team uh, there that deals with autism, significant cognitive disabilities uh, for the Utah State Board of Education. And a big shout out to uh, all of the teachers uh, who are really getting creative. I just got a text from uh, a good friend who's, who just said their team of specialists this year for their son who has some special needs uh, has just been extraordinary. So I know that's the Utah way and the Utah model, but we hope all of our teachers and administrators uh, know how grateful we are uh, for the progress that is being made in making sure these students uh, keep moving forward. Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Boyd. You bet. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. Again, that is such an important topic. We'll come back to that one in the weeks ahead. Uh, to see how our special needs students are doing. They may have challenges physically or cognitively, but they have extraordinary souls we all can learn from. Stay with us. Much more to come here on a special edition of Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? 
in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.